yourselves a hand. Yeah, there you go. This morning, before we get into the Word of God, um, I was watching the news this morning. Of course, the thing everybody's talking about is Israel. But they had this rabbi on, he was somewhere in his 30s, and he has two brothers that are both rabbis. His two brothers are already at the front, ready to go into Gaza. And he said, after the service yesterday, he said, I'm heading to the, to the front. I'm be fighting also. So all three rabbis are going to be in uniform and fighting for their country, because that's what they believe in. But he said, you know, we got to planning the service and we had two choices to make. One, do we have a service where we all are in fear and afraid of what might happen? Or do we have a service where we dance with the joy of the Lord? That's right. And do we celebrate what God has done? And he said, we chose to celebrate. We chose to thank God for the blessing. And he said, you know, he said, we brought morality to the world with the Ten Commandments. So we have nothing to be ashamed of. That's right. So we'll celebrate. And I thought yes. that was great. Yes. Let's celebrate in the Lord. Amen. Yes. Let's all just take a moment. I want to have you stand again. But bow your heads. Let's pray for Israel. Take a moment, just pray for Israel, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Yeah, Lord, you watch over them. Bless them as they go. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless your holy name. One of my most favorite psalms, Psalm 40. We call it, You Are My Deliverer. Because he delivered me out of such darkness. And he brought me into light. But as we look at the words that David wrote, he goes, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he was inclined to me. 
and he heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock, and established my steps. He put a new song in my mouth, praise to God. You know, God will inspire songs of praise out of his people if we feel that he has lifted us and honored us and shown us that he is the almighty God, the, the almighty creator. You know, it almost sounds self-serving when we say he lifted us up out of a miry pit and we praised him. But we praised the creator of the universe. We created, we praised the creator who created us. For we are the creature, he is the creator. The redeemed are to praise the redeemer. And those that he has delivered are to praise the deliverer. God has a great ability. And he is awesome. It says he put a new song in David's heart, in his mouth. But all of us that have had times, hard times that we've fallen on, whether it's financial, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in a health problem or something, where we felt that we've suffered, and we've been broken down, maybe we've been in a spiritual battle that's just taken us to the end, where we didn't know where to go or how to, what way to turn. And we felt like we were in that horrible, horrible pit. The pit that only God can lift us out of, because Lord knows we've tried every other way ourselves. Most of us, when we face something difficult, we're going to try our own way a dozen times to fix it. And it's not until we realize we can't that we call on God. It's not until we can't that we trust in him. When he should be the first call, he should be number one on your speed dial. Not the last one. But David said, you know, with what happened, he said, many are going to see what the Lord has done to me. And they're going to trust him. And they're going to fear him. And that's not being afraid. That's a reverence fear that they're crying out for God. One of the benefits of David's waiting on the Lord as he cried out for mercy because David realized that he had sinned so much and that he was so far away and he kept crying out to God. And as he waited and he cried out and he asked for God's mercy and he kept crying and he said, mercy, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. He kept trusting that the Lord would answer. Amen. And the Lord did. Amen. The true believer, trusting in the Lord, has the gift of salvation. 
Also, the true believer is redeemed from any dominion that Satan has over you. You are free of that. He has no place in your life. None whatsoever. Verse 4 says, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor much turn aside people who lie. A man may be as poor as Lazarus, as hated as Mordecai, as sick as Hezekiah, as lonely as Elijah. But while the hand of faith is reaching out, God is touching it. While the hand of faith is reaching out, as you're reaching up to grab onto God's hand, he's reaching down to grab you. And it's all because of that. That he is connected to you. He is drawn to you. He is giving you everything you need. David didn't respect the proud. He even called Egypt proud. He said the whole country was that way. Why? Probably because they had the Israelites as slaves. But he didn't respect them. He had no respect. Many, oh Lord, my God, you are wonderful works which you have done. And your thoughts towards us cannot be recounted in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Yeah. Isn't that true? Think of the blessings that God has poured up on your life and try to number them. Just start counting. We'll be long gone, have lunch, probably have dinner before you finish. If you get that far. I know some of the pits that God has listed us out of. I know the pits he's lifted me out of. I know the pits he's lifted some of you out of. And he's right there. He's always there. His mercy is new every morning. He covers us every single day, no matter what. In Psalm 8, verse 4, David said, What is man that you are mindful of him? He considered the greatness of the universe and was amazed that God would even think about man at all. Not realizing, but realizing that God created us in his image. And David knew that. But he was amazed at what God thinks of his people. That he called his people out. That he wants to protect his people. That he wants to give mercy to his people. That he wants to cover his people. God's thoughts towards us are just amazing. I mean, if we look at the mirror and we look at the things that we've done that are ungodly, 
And then we wonder, why? Why does God still love us? Why does God still want us? Why is God still here pouring out his mercy upon us? Why is God still blessing us? Why does God have these great thoughts towards us? David understood that in a relative sense, God did not like sacrifices. Sacrifices and offerings, God did not desire. My ears you have opened, burnt offerings and sin offerings you do not require. There's a sacrifice, Psalm 40 mentions, six kinds of offerings. Sacrifice, an offering of blood. Offering, just an offering made without blood. Burn offerings, an offering of total consecration. Sin offering, offerings to atone for one's sin. But God does not desire those. What does he desire? He desires your obedience. Your obedience. I mean, how many times did God call the Israelites stiff-necked? He said, no, I can't go with you, Moses. If I do, I'm liable to kill them. They're stiff-necked people. Don't make me go. But Moses said, I won't go into the promised land without you. So God said, all right. And he came and he went with the Lord. As a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. But God was there. King Saul offered sacrifices that were fine, but he did not obey God. Ultimately, this was fulfilled by David. David became king, the son of Jesse. And if you remember the story, the prophet Samuel went over to Jesse's house and he found all these big, strong boys Jesse had. And they say, he said, no, none of them. God said, none of them. He said, and then he said to Jesse, Samuel says, Jesse, don't you have one more? Don't you have any more? Yeah, well, there's one, there's one kid out in the field. Well, bring him in. And they went and got that fair-haired boy and said, anointed him and made him king of Israel. Look what he did. I mean, he did a lot of sinning. He did a lot of repenting. But he was a man after God's own heart. I mean, he comes up against a Philistine giant. Now picture this. You got the Philistines on one side, the Israelites on the other. The Philistines are calling the Israelites out. They don't want to go fight Goliath. Not a one of them. So what do they do? They send the kid. The kid said, I'll go. I'll go. Why did he say that? Because he trusted in the Lord. So he says, I'll go. He goes down to the brook. He picks up five shiny stones. 
puts him in the slingshot, boom, pops Goliath right between the eyes. Down he goes. But why? Because the Lord God was with them. What does that tell you? It tells you if the Lord God is with you, it doesn't matter what giants you face. You will overcome them. God wants you to surrender to him. It was David's surrender to God that made all the difference. It was David's surrender to God that allowed him to be called a man after God's own heart. Because David chased that. He chased that heart. In verse 7 it says, Behold, I come in the scroll of a book. It is written to me. Far less sense, David said, of this. The throne of Israel was his. It was prophesied to him when he was young. Yet he did not take it until he was much older. He allowed God to deal with Saul rather than men dealing with it. And, and that tells me, you know, sometimes there's problems that we just gotta let God deal with. We just gotta surrender those things to God. Say, God, you take care of this. But, but my problem has always been, I would surrender it to God, but then I'd wanna be his assistant. Let me help you, God. Yeah, yeah, don't, yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, like micromanage God. Like he really needs our help. Like he really needs our help. David says, I delight in your will, O God. And your law is written in my heart. Where else have we heard that? In Ezekiel, we said, I'm going to take out your heart of stone. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. And my law is going to be written on your heart. And I will be your God. And you will be my people. And this is what he's saying to, to everyone today. You are my people. Those that call on my name shall be saved, Jesus said. Those that call on my name will be saved. Jesus not only did the Father's will, but he taught us to do the Father's will. He taught us to pray in the name of Jesus. He tells us everything we ask for will be given to us in the name of the Lord. But we have to remember we're the ones that he has asked to proclaim the good news to the people. We're the ones that have to carry the message of Jesus. We're the ones that carry this. David always, I mean, I remember in this story when David brings in the covenant, the covenant of God. 
I mean, the first time he goes to take it into Jerusalem, slides off an ox cart, guy reaches up to touch it, and of course God strikes him dead. The thing was, it was a Philistine ox cart. God's not going to let you carry him into Jerusalem on a Philistine ox cart. So he finally brings the covenant of God, the Ark of the Covenant, into Jerusalem, carried the proper way, and they're celebrating, and he's dancing for joy, and he's praising. And I can imagine all the people are out there just praising God and dancing with joy and having fun and celebrating the presence of an almighty God. Why? Because David was obedient to God. Verse 10, it says, I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness, David says. I've declared your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness nor your truth from the great assembly. What he's, David is saying is, I've told everybody I know about your loving kindness, about your righteousness, about your mercy, about your salvation. David said, I've taken this message to everyone I can. He withheld it from no one. Wouldn't you wonder? Maybe that's what it takes to be called one of God's own people or a person after God's own heart. The fact that you carry the message of cross, you carry the message of Christ, you carry this message of salvation, you carry the gospel, you carry the good news, because if you're a messenger like that, then I can see that God would want to use you. Amen. And he would call you a man after my own heart. But David then cried in verse 11, do not, do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Amen. David knew, let your loving kindness and your truth Continually preserve me. Yes. Continually preserve me. Don't stop. Just keep loving me, God. Just keep pouring out your mercy upon me. Isn't that what we all desire? Yes. Is God to continue to pour out his presence, his mercy. Yes. They sang songs this morning about God manifesting himself. Amen. If we call him, yes. if we seek him, isn't that what we need? We need his manifest presence in this house. Amen. You need his manifest presence in your life. This is who God is. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that loves each and every one of you. You think about that. God loves you. 
the creator of everything you see, loved you. Loved you. Now, he may love me more than he loves you. I don't know. But he loves you. David was one of those that needed the constant supply of God's loving kindness, of God's mercy, of God's grace. He knew the life he had. He knew his own sins. I mean, you got to remember, David was a warlord, more or less, back in the day. I mean, when he went up against Goliath, it was the beginning of the Iron Age. So you can feel what that culture was like back then. You wanted something, you fought for it, and you took it. He asked God, don't leave me with my many sins, but heal even the hairs of my head and deliver me with your mercy. We have Jesus. Jesus took our iniquities. He took away our sins on our cross. He covered us with his blood. And we were covered. We plead the blood over people. Because the blood of Jesus covers us. It runs through our veins. It's who we are. It's who we are. He pleaded. In verse 17, he pleaded, Oh Lord, deliver me. Oh Lord, deliver me. And do it hastily. Hurry up, Lord, deliver me now. I don't want to wait. Be pleased, oh Lord, to deliver me. He wanted God to want to deliver him. He wanted God happy to deliver him. You know, the fact is, Jesus is happy to deliver each and every one of you from darkness to light. It It says the angels in heaven rejoice every time somebody surrenders their life to Christ. The angels in heaven rejoice. Sometimes I got to imagine they look down and say, wow, I can't believe that guy did it. I can't believe But he goes, be pleased, O Lord, to forgive me. Be pleased, O Lord, to forgive me. Be pleased, O Lord, to correct me. Well, there's something that gets a lot of people. Not a lot of people I know like to be corrected. <laughs> or Rose would call it reminded. <laughs> Let me remind you. <laughs> David asked the Lord, Oh, Lord, don't correct me. I mean, that's part of our surrender, is it not? 
They pleased the Lord to provide for me. I can think of many instances where the Lord provided for me. Where things were down to nothing. The cupboards were bare. But all of a sudden things came up. I mean, I've told the story many times of being at a missions conference, being asked to give an offering in. The Lord touched my heart and said, give everything you got in your wallet. I'm like, oh Lord, you know, it's Sunday, I got all week. I got all week, and you want all my money? But I gave it. And Monday I went to work. At 9 o'clock they had a contest. At 11 o'clock I had three times the money I gave. Because God provides. He provides for his people. And he says, be pleased, O Lord, to heal me. Healing. Healing is such an important thing. Whether you're healing health, you're hearing someone spiritually, someone that is emotionally distraught. People need healing, especially today. They need comfort, and that's what the great thing about this church is you guys encourage one another. You look out for one another. Yes. You love one another. You care for one another. Yes. Yes. I mean, there's times you look at the phone and say, oh, no, that one's calling me again? <laughs> but they're just calling to make sure you're all right. Yeah. Yeah. They want to make sure you're not hurting. Then he says, be pleased, O Lord, to guide me. Another area we don't like a lot of help in. We think we know it better ourselves. We can do it our way. We don't need God's way. You know, I remember back in the day when they had road maps. Remember those? Pull in their gas station, get a rope. You know, and, and men, for some reason, no matter where we're driving, we ain't asking directions to nowhere. We're going to go. It might take us two or three days extra to get there. But we're going our way. We've all been, maybe some of you have been on trips like that. Maybe all of you have. We were just, you know, we're not going to let anybody guide us. But here David's saying, Lord, guide me. And we really need God to guide us. It's God that we need to pray and say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, tell me what you want me to do. Guide me through this. Help me, Lord. I can't do it on my own. I need you. I need you. I need you. Then David cries out, Be pleased, O Lord, to bless me. To bless me. And you look around, you see all the blessings God has poured out. Just in this room alone. 
Look at all the blessings that God has poured out. Look at all the blessings. Verse 14, it says, Let them be ashamed and brought to mutual confusion who seek to destroy my life. David's asking God, make them go to confusion. Let them get confused. He's not saying, you know, whack their heads off. He's just saying, confuse them. You know, remember the Syrian army? And Gideon went around with just 300. And God got that army so confused, they didn't know what they were doing. They ended up killing each other. Let them be driven backwards, David says, and brought to dishonor. Who wish me evil? Again, he's just asking the Lord, hey, take them back where they came from. Let them find dishonor in what they're doing, trying to make me, trying to put evil on me. You know, what he's asking is those people that want to do me wrong or keep them away, confuse them and don't let them bring evil towards me. Keep me safe. And I know there's times when everyone in this place has said someone that they thought was after them. You know, just, just mad at them, wanting to spite them. David says, no, don't let that happen. Don't let those things happen. Let them be confounded in their shame, he says. Then in verse 16, he says, let all of those who seek your dream, your rejoice, be glad in you. Because remember, he was saying God was rejoicing at his people, and we're rejoicing back. And David's saying, let them be. Let's rejoice together, David said. Let all those that want to praise your name come and rejoice with me. Let all those that want to praise the name of Jesus rejoice. Let them jump up and say so. I rejoice in you, O Lord. I rejoice in you. David says in 17, I am poor and needy. Let the Lord think upon me. You are my help, my deliverer. Do not delay, oh God. Do not delay. How many of us could say that? Do not delay, Lord. When you see me struggling, when you see me in this battle, when you see me facing this giant, don't delay, but deliver me from this. I surrender my will to you. Deliver me from this. Oh, David, David just cries out to the, to the Lord. So in closing, let me say this. The story reminds us 
that God's not done with any of you yet. He's not done with any of you yet. Rose asked me this morning, she said, do you think God's done with you yet? I said, you want me to go? She said, what do you think he wants you to do? I don't know. I just ask him every day. What can I do for you, Lord? What can I do for you? What can I do for you? And those of you that have jobs, what's he say? Glorify my name when you work. Glorify my name when you work. Though things may look grim now, sometimes they do. Sometimes we get all caught up in, in ourselves. We get caught up in our troubles. We get caught up in all that. But know that his word is true. His word is glorious. His word is honored. Let's all stand. Since we've got a small group, why don't you all come down to the altar this morning? Grab hands with one another. Come on. Come down here and pray with one another.